0: Welcome into the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review Podcast presented by TIAA Bank. J.P. Shadrick with you. Today is Friday, March 19th, and a different feel on this week's podcast. It's an early bird Jaguars reporters podcast. Ashlyn Sullivan, John Osher, and Brian Sexton join me this week, and we'll wrap up a busy opening of the NFL League year. We'll review Urban Meyer's comments from Friday morning. The Jags head coach spoke to the media. Plus, our focus today, defensive players added in free agency. A few of them have been in the building this week. Remember to subscribe to the Jaguars' official podcast network. It's available on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a comment and leave a five-star rating. Welcome in the entire crew. And Ashlyn, you know, let's start here because you've had one-on-one interaction with all the guys that have been in the building this week and we'll get into those guys and hear from urban coming up in a little bit but it seems like these guys are focused and ready to go to work
1: yeah it was interesting i we had like kind of generic questions and then we asked a lot about them but they all said in their own way that the reason they came to Jacksville was one the fresh start to kind of start from the bottom and build this thing up and to the optimism around, optimism around this team they all said in Whatever city they were at, they felt it coming. And they saw all these people started talking about the Jaguars, and it was interesting to them, you know, starting to take a a hard look at this team. So it was funny. I didn't ask really any of them. They all said this on their own, that the fresh start and the optimism was something they wanted to be a part of.
0: No doubt. And, John, it's a a lot of new faces around here. We'll get to some of them coming up. But there was clearly a focus for the organization on getting – certain spots solidified so they don't have to be forced into a move later. The goal of pretty
2: much every team in the NFL is to go into the draft without having a draft for Nate. That is always probably one free agency for every team. But what struck you is I get that everybody thought it was going to be splash free agency for the Jaguars. It really showed you that they looked at this roster and said, there are spots that we have to get done. And I said it a couple of times on different shows of it on this week. They clearly, to me, didn't want a repeat of 2013. I don't think they're thinking about 2013. But remember how young this team was that year, When they last time there was a rebuild. There were too many young, inexperienced rookies playing, and that prevents other – when there's youth at one spot, it hurts other spots. This felt to me like let's get experience everywhere. Let's get experience that can play, and then we'll look forward as we go along to making moves as we needed in future years. But this was about getting the roster where they could line up next year.
0: Brian, it's a grown man's game. And uh, grown men, especially grown men in the trenches, are important.
2: Yeah, uh, you're exactly right. And John
3: touched on it. They didn't want to be too young there. They were looking for guys that could not just line up and play, but could make them better. And that's really the interesting part here. Their approach was, I don't want to say mid-level guys, but guys like like the safety from Los Angeles, Rashawn, who – not a lot of people knew, but was an ascending player coming into his own. I mean, Urban said this morning when we talked to him that it was about finding value. That was the key takeaway from his news conferences, that they found value. And there were a lot of guys, whether you're talking about Jihad Ward um, or uh, Roy uh, Robertson Harris. They brought in a lot of players who make them better, who give them guys that they can count on and who make this roster better. And, you know, we've seen it over the years, you know, swinging for the fences and bringing in the big dollar guys. It's rarely paid off for the Jaguars. And so I think this approach is fresh and it has, at least in my opinion, it has given them a real boost across the roster.
0: You reference the Urban Meyer press conference from Friday. Let's hear from the Jaguars' head coach answering some free agency questions. He's used to getting every recruit that's on their recruiting board at Florida or Ohio State. A little different in the NFL in free agency.
4: Yeah, I remember uh, it is new. I see that. I said, "Go get him. I want that guy." You know, go get him. In recruiting, we would have a recruiting meeting and identify the best players, say, go get them. Then all of a sudden, i start finding out this guy cost $28 million, this guy cost, and I, it was a really, I knew it to say, I didn't know it, of course I knew it, but just the way you put that puzzle together about here's your here's your cap space, here's your choices, can we take him, but we get three of these guys to help. And so I imagine once you build your roster exactly the way you want it, then you can take one guy and go get that, you know the the 25 million dollar athlete. Uh, we weren't we're not in position to do that right now. You know we're just not. So it was a, a learning experience. I feel great about it.
0: As he said there, I mean, he had an idea of what this would feel like, Ashlyn. But then you have to go through it and realize, oh, wait a minute, yeah, yeah, twenty-six million out the door is a little <laughs> different.
1: Yeah, it was funny that I appreciated how honest he was about this whole process. That oh wait, this this wallet does end at some point, and he kept saying value, and I think that's Trent Balky in his ear preaching that need over value, and really, you never had to do that before. You could get whoever you wanted, and the NFL works a little differently. So I thought it was very candid, Brian, that Coach Meyer was respectful enough to, to know that this is different. And he acknowledged that.
3: Well, I, I thought it was so interesting that he was talking essentially about paying players, which for years has been the accusation in college athletics. And here he is standing there making the statement. Yeah, it's about the checkbook. It's about the check that you pay these guys. And and people kept talking about all the different reasons that these players would sign here. And, and Coach Meyer brought all of that to bear and explained all of the different aspects of it. But in the end, he said, it comes down to, will you write the check? Can you find a number that fits your salary structure and the player's happiness quotient, Right, that you know fits their need, what they believe their value is? And, and he, he just kept saying it over and over. It comes back to money, which, again, for a coach whose career was made, Hall of Fame college career, to stand there and say that, it was just an interesting
2: contrast
3: from, from where he's been. To
2: sort of build on that point? He actually said, I think somebody asked him at the end of the conference, did you recruit? Uh, were you ready with recruiting? He said, I was ready, but it really never came to that. Everybody knows who Urban Meyer is. They know the name and they see the TV guy. I've been really impressed in in the video conferences we've, we've had with him about how candid and honest he is. He was very honest in saying, I was ready to recruit, but it really doesn't come down to that. It comes down to the money. And I thought that was fascinating to hear from him today. Yeah, I want to just build on that
3: real quick, JP. I, I had an impression of a college coach when he came here, a guy who had been intimately involved in college football. And college coaches tend to have more control uh, because you're dealing with younger men. So I, I think I anticipated when he came in that he would be more guarded, that he would be more control-focused when he was standing in front of the camera. I have been uh, amazed at how transparent and honest and forthcoming he is. And I think that speaks to his comfort level. You know, he understands there's things he's got to learn, and he says that. He understands that he's got a vision. He explains that. Um, Any notion that I had about college coach is gone. This is a guy who's come in with an idea. He's a football coach with a specific way he wants to build a program. Um, And I am very interested, excited about the way that he's interacted with all of us.
0: Let's hear again from Urban Meyer and one of the biggest priorities for uh, his team and for Trent Baalke in free agency, beefing up that defensive line where they're trying to get things back on track up front.
4: On defense, uh, the number one need, and the, it, regardless what the staff said, the number one need to me is always going to be build your defensive front. Uh, I expect our defense line to always be the top fourth. In, the, in, in college, I expect it to be the top five in America. In the NFL, I've told our staff I expect it to be the top fourth, at least now, and it, we should keep elevating that. Uh, top fourth in the league and uh, we felt it wasn't there were some good pieces in place and we attacked it and very excited about the four defensive linemen and so that was the uh, place we built i believe we're going to be in the top fourth in the league on the defensive line so there you have it they want to be a
0: top eight defensive line brian i'll start with you here what does that mean how do you qualify that
3: well the first thing is jp they've got to get better at stopping the run uh since marcel Darius left the field in november of 2019 this football team has been unable to stop the run and so it doesn't matter that you've had pass rushers you know high-end pass rushers like yannick and and josh allen you haven't been able to get teams off the field and you know, malcolm brown talked about that and, and, and roy robertson harris mentioned that as well they've got to stop the run and so if they can do that and you bring in a guy like malcolm brown now this is a guy who was a former first round pick he's a big wide body I assume you'll pair him with Taven Bryan at the nose because I think this really fits the one thing Bryan has shown he can do and that is you know hold the line stay the point um which is not a ringing endorsement of Taven Bryan but you've got you, you, you've got some big bodies there you've got a rotation of some guys that play different roles um I thought it was telling I asked Jihad Ward about his role today and he said I'm just going to be me i it doesn't sound as if he says, well, I'm here to stop the run or I'm here to rush the passer. Uh, but you know that if they can't stop the run,
2: they can't become a top-eight defense.
0: Priority number one, John, up front, after the quarterback.
2: I guess yeah, priority yeah, number Ward two. Ward actually, I laughed. He said, his role is going to be to be Jihad Ward. And I said, well, he ought to be able to do that. I, mean, <laughs> yeah, that's something, yeah. so, uh, I expect Devon Hamilton to be uh, sharing time with Malcolm Brown. But no matter who it is, you can't have watched this team in the last two or three years and not know that stopping the run was the major thing. They came in, saw it immediately. If there has been a theme for the first three or four days of the league year, it has been that. Urban knows they had to build it from that way back. That's what they did. I think Tyson Aluolo it, is a huge part of that as well. If they can stop the run, all of a sudden the pieces they have behind it, JP, I think you and I talked about it, if they get the run stop, then all of a sudden, Josh Allen, D.J. Henderson, Griffin, Chason, Miles Jack, I've just lifted I guys, Ashland, that can all make play. But they couldn't make them last year because they couldn't get the run stop. If you get the run stop, all those guys in the back that we talked about will all of a sudden be a lot better than they were last year.
1: Yeah, you can let them loose and just play freely and not have to worry about. One thing I will say is when Coach Meyer said this morning what is? impression of the defensive line was going to be and he said they're going to be big big guys. I can attest to that. These guys walking into this room today and yesterday, especially Malcolm Brown, these are big guys. I mean, he's definitely trying to take up space on the defensive line and it is very clear that was the priority of this week was getting that figured out. I know on our reporters podcast on Monday, we were a little hesitant about the defensive line. We all had question marks around sure. it. Said you had to fix it here on a Friday. I'm feeling pretty good about it with all the pieces that they plugged in.
3: I was just going to build on one thing, one real quick thing. And, and John touched on how, if you stop the run, uh, you make all the players that he mentioned, Josh Allen and, and the players on the back end, more efficient. You give them more opportunity to let go and play their way. But think about for a minute, if you have an offense, and we all expect this offense to really start to blossom here, um, how much better is this defense with a consistent quarterback and an offense that creates opportunities, and I know we're talking defense today, but when you start to look at a defense that played from behind all year last year, that was another reason. Teams didn't have to stop running because they had to leave. They were trying to kill the clock, so there's a lot of different things, hoses that are filling this pool right now, um, and, and one of them should be, as we look at the defense, is how this offense will impact it.
0: Final thought from Urban Meyer for this podcast, at least, and it's a position group that Got the Twitter Jaguar folks up in arms early in the negotiation window because there were names going other places, including Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry, both of those to New England. We're talking about tight end, of course. Urban Meyer explaining the addition that they made at that position and the status of the tight end room.
4: That was a high priority. Uh, we have two different style tight ends. You know, one is uh, a Y, which is an on-the-line, basically an extension of your offense line, a very good blocker, but also very functional. In the uh, pass game, we identified a guy had him top of list, and that's Man Hurts, and we got him. Uh, I've not met him uh, yet. He's coming in today, but I, that's I'm, we all are extremely excited about him. He was exactly what we wanted, and uh, we got him. The next one is the F, and that's the you know, the primary pass catcher, but also a functional blocker. We have not addressed that. O'Shaughnessy on her, you know, two years ago, O'Shaughnessy had a very, uh, uh, had a good year, showed a lot of potential, obviously had an ACL injury. He's been in here training. He's uh, I've gotten to know him, really enjoy being around him. So we're counting on him, but we have not finalized that piece of the uh, puzzle yet. But the, the why part is I can't feel, we all feel extremely strong uh, about Manhursts.
0: Man Hurts is in. He was in the building on Friday as well. I think he was the only offensive player the first couple days here that was in the building and available. And uh, looking forward to seeing what he can do in the run game, blocking. He said he can catch and all that too, but he is here, and Urban Meyer said that as well. He's here uh, mainly as an inline blocker. But, John, they're still looking for a receiving threat down the field. Where do they find it?
2: Well, I would expect that they may explore – I don't know what tier you'd be in free agency at this point. You, you think they explore that? Uh, The Zach Ertz thing, I believe is still sitting out there. So you don't know about that. At some point you can't get everything that you want every free agency period. Uh, You can't go after every, every high profile guy. Uh, The draft still exists. You know, I mean, we still haven't gotten to that point unless I missed it. (laughs) They've picked no players in the draft yet. So there's still a major, major talent acquisition period upcoming, you know, and, I guess I don't worry about that position as much as a lot of people. I know this team needs it. I expect it to be one, if not two, relatively high in the draft. They're going to build that room, and it's still to come. What do you think, Ash?
1: I was talking to Manhurts actually he was our our last interview of the day and he was saying how the appreciation that Coach Meyer has for a blocking tight end he says a lot of times it's almost like looked down upon that you're the blocking tight end (laughs) but for Coach Meyer to hype that up this morning and Matt Rule actually called him the best blocking tight end in the NFL to have those guys you know talk highly of him he said that means the world that coach Meyer believes in this and realizes it's a very important part of the game I mean it is it's not the most sexy thing in the world but you need a blocking tight end right now
0: you don't got one that's right and uh, obviously this organization Brian we've talked about this on shows before has had that in the past here they haven't had that in a little while though a true superior blocking tight end
3: no it's been since Mercedes and before that they had Kyle Brady um and you know if people remember Julius Thomas, I mean, they swung for the fences and made him the highest-paid tight end in football at the time. And and it was a flame-out. He did nothing. <laughs> um, had a couple of plays, but other than that, it didn't work. So Tyler Bowen is the new tight ends coach, and he coached at Penn State. And the guy who most people think is the second tight end in this draft, uh, uh, Pat Friermuth, is uh is probably 25 or 33 or maybe he slides to 45 or maybe the jaguars go around but they've got three picks between 25 and 45 and he falls somewhere in there and he is a gronkowski type i mean i you can't, you can't compare people to you know the great players in the game but a big body middle of the field guy uh who wins one-on-one battles if you uh if you talk to people who have scouted him so I I would think the draft is exactly where they're going. Young tight ends, uh and and the previous coaching staff and um personnel staff did a lot of research on tight ends a few years ago, and I recall a conversation um where their research showed that very few rookie tight ends come in and have a huge impact. And if you look at the kid uh from Iowa, uh and his name escapes me who went to Detroit, I mean you can see he's 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 made a couple of little plays here and there. And he's still waiting for his breakout. So I think go grab one. You got a reason. You got a connection. And they're awful big on connections. Uh, If you've had a guy in your room before and Tyler Bowen has, I expect him to be high on their list uh, in the draft, which is starting April 29th. John, you might want to write that down. Mm. All right, I got it. I got
0: it. Noted. Put that on the calendar uh, because that's uh, a little over a month away. The full media availability with head coach Urban Meyer and the players who are in the building Thursday and Friday available on the official team website jaguars.com or the Jaguars social media channels. When we return, a review of the defensive additions in free agency. All that
3: after this.
0: Welcome back to the Jaguars broadcast Week in review podcast presented by TIAA Bank and season ticket renewals are underway. Existing season ticket members, including those who are on pause in 2020, well, you need to lock in your seats now. Demand is sky high for 2021. Single game tickets will go on sale after the schedule release sometime in May. And the Jaguars look to play in front of a full capacity crowd in 2021. Look for your renewal link in your email. Visit jaguars.com. Or call 904-633-2000. And while you're at it, while you're online, subscribe to the official Jaguars podcast network. It's on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else podcasts are downloaded. Leave a comment and give us five stars. Let's move along to the defensive additions for the Jaguars. Here's how this will work, everybody. We're all going to pick one player. Discuss why he is important to be added to the Jaguars. And maybe we'll... We'll um, bat it around a little. Banter is the word I was looking for. Thank you, Ashlyn. I'm going to go Malcolm Brown. Traded in from the Saints. We said earlier Urban wanted big, big, big guys on the interior. Well, he is. 6'2", 320. Played for Charlie Strong at Texas. He's got the the connection there. Part of two Super Bowl teams with the Patriots. So he has a, a winning pedigree from an organization in the NFL. Has the connection. Has the big body. Uh, And he's a big guy on the interior of the defensive line. So this, I think, was a slam dunk for the Jaguars, Ashton.
1: Absolutely. And we we asked him about coming from the Patriots and these winning programs, and now you're coming to, for lack of a better term, a a rebuild. And he mentioned, I I love being here from the ground up, and I love that two years from now I get to say that I was a part of this. And I mentioned, you know, this is a pretty young locker room. How are you going to share this experience and and be a leader? And he's like, I'm not the big – Raw, raw type of guy. I'm going to lead by example, but I will say I'm a prime example of what success can look like in the NFL. And he's really looking forward to being one of the older guys on this defensive line.
0: Yeah, interior play was uh, subpar last year, Brian, and they needed a, a big body or two or three on the interior. And Malcolm Brown, I think, is going to be right there in that mix.
3: Yeah, if you go back and look, and I think we're all working from the assumption that we're going to see a lot of zero technique, a, a nose tackle, you know, head up on the center this year whether that means a a 3-4 or a hybrid, uh, that big body in the middle of the line. and, And I go back to the Steelers in the late 90s with Joel Steed, who was, I mean, I think he and Malcolm Brown are copycat bodies. You couldn't move Joel Steed. He made, even though he didn't have the sacks or the tackles, and wasn't the superstar of that Steelers zone blitz defense that everybody remembers. With him, he made everyone else's job easier because he created a train wreck in the middle of his opponent's offensive line. When I look at Malcolm Brown, I think that's what this guy's going to do. I, I know that's why they drafted him in New England. They didn't re-sign him because they eventually let guys go up there. But this is a guy who can hold the point. And whether it's Devon Hamilton or Taven Bryan, whoever is behind him, to have two big bodies inside there, guys who can hold the point and wreck things in the middle, you got to have it if you want to make this defense, this hybrid, this 3-4 work.
0: John, you have to have a bunch of different I How's this for
2: a statement, JP? Yes. He's the most important player they got this week. Whoa. Period. Headline. Without, you know, and I get that Griffin's important. Everybody's important. I'm not saying anything about the other guy. Without this one, I think, you know, I can't speak for the staff, but I think without this one, the staff would be like, okay, who's anchor in the middle? This guy is a starting NFL nose tackle who has done it, started 80 of 89 games in his career, he started 29 over the last three games. He he has been the starting nose tackle wherever he's gone in the last uh, three or four years. This is the anchor in the middle. They must stop the run. If you don't stop the run, Trevor Lawrence, whoever they have on offense, doesn't matter for this team. He's the most important acquisition of the week. Wow. And man. he's why people should feel good about this class.
0: Well, there you go. And
1: there you have okay, it.
0: Okay, so – Ashlyn, you get to follow this up with your selection.
1: Well, Rayshon Jenkins is also very important, John. (laughs) you are throwing on this team with Jared Wilson in the backfield and Andrew Wingard. I didn't feel so good.
0: 1A and 1B? 1A. 1A and 1B. Fine.
1: We'll take it at that. But now, with Rayshon Jenkins, who is a starting caliber safety in the NFL from the Los Angeles Chargers, I'm feeling pretty good now about this secondary along with Shaq Griffin, of course. And it was funny to go watch – If you haven't, whoever's listening to this podcast, go watch Rayshon Jenkins mic'd up against the Jaguars. Mm. And he is a talker. It is interesting to watch and relive that game. But yes, uh, definitely a dynamic player. Very much needed in the secondary. Another starter. I foresee him and Jared Wilson taking over that backfield. And it was absolutely a a needed position. And Mm -hmm. this is a guy who's done it been successful at it and I'm feeling much better about the secondary now after this guy
0: and it's not a huge thing but it was a mid-round draft pick and you know he was a special teams player his first two years couldn't crack the lineup there were some injuries finally the last two years he's a regular starter and took advantage of that opportunity really worked his way up Mm -hmm. and you know not that he would but uh, you know he's not going to take anything for granted because of the way he had to kind of fight and push and find an opportunity and finally got one, and now he's paid it off with a free agent contract, Brian.
3: I uh, I like Jenkins a lot. His size and his length, um, forget whatever he has or hasn't done in his career, uh, this is a rising prospect, and the Jaguars have identified him as a guy who can fit into what they want to do. Shalene, I want to correct you, though it isn't going to be Jared Wilson, it's going to be Daniel Thomas. They've got that young kid from last year who played lights out for the month that he was on the field. And I think that the, the, the Thomas uh, Jenkins combination has the opportunity to be really, really, really good. He's
2: going to be the best player in this. No, I uh, <laughs> what I say about everybody. To me, this signing sort of defines the class, meaning they could have theoretically waited. There are safeties available in the draft. They could have theoretically drafted this spot and said, okay, we're going to build. Remember, I hate to keep comparing it to the old regime, but a lot of these listeners have, have seen how it was built before. In 2013, they went out and got Evans and, and a sip. Remember? I think that was 13. Well, yes, that was. Y- you start two kids back there. You start two kids back there and you have a lot of rookie mistake. Well, all of a sudden that's sort of kept everything from looking right. And it was a mess and they don't want that. So This sort of defines that. In a sense, you're sort of redrafting what this regime doesn't like about what was here. This is the quintessential example of that to me. A guy who can come in, he can be solid. I don't know if he's a Pro Bowl guy, but you know what you're going to get from this guy. You're going to get consistency. He's going to be able to tell other players where to go. He's seen things before. I like it because it defines this class to me.
0: All right, Brian, get us going with yours. Well, I I took
3: Shaq Griffin, and and I love the fact that Griffin – and Jenkins have this chemistry from their days together in St. Petersburg. This is another rising player, right? I mean, he's paid near the top of the market. What is he, seventh, sixth uh, among cornerbacks right now? So, I mean, he looks like a first-round pick. But I mean, this was a guy who came in. He was, what, a third-round pick of the Seahawks? And, yes. and grew into this number one corner role. But I wrote down on my notes as I was watching his press conference, this kid gets it. You know whether he learned it from the Legion of Boom on their way out or the last couple of years playing in Pete Carroll's program, he said, I, I don't care about number one. I don't care about getting all the accolades. I care about coming in here and creating something that has our own signature to it, right? It, he was humble. He was confident, which is a unique combination to be able to pair together. But this is a young leader and a, uh, An ascending player, again, like Jenkins, though, because he played in Seattle, he had a lot more eyes on him and more people know him. Uh, Flips the hips, turns and runs, and he checks all the boxes, the height, the length. Um, But there was something about him, something about coming home, coming into a situation where people are going to look to him to be more than just a good player, but to be a leader. And something I heard from all of these players is they didn't worry about the fact that Jaguars had the worst record in football. They were impressed with the opportunity to come in and be a part of something that to a man they feel is a virtual certainty that this team is going to win. And and Griffin was the first one out of the gate. And I just every player afterwards said nearly the same thing in their own words. So I'm excited about this kid because it gives them a base to build on uh, at one of the most important positions on the defense, one of the most important positions on the field, the corner.
0: Now they have a duo over there on the outside, at least. If C.J. Henderson can stay out there on the field and healthy. And uh, now you have Shaq Griffin on the other side. And Herndon most likely inside at nickel. That's not a bad trio of corners.
1: Yeah, and don't forget about Sidney Jones. Coach Meyer was was on this morning and spoke about that, that now cornerback room. He feels really good about that. And before you roll, the addition with Shaq Griffin makes it feel like you have that veteran presence now. And that was what was lacking is... The leadership and I feel like without him you were putting so much pressure on CJ Henderson's shoulders. You know, you kept saying, Okay, well, first round draft pick, you know, he's gonna lock it down and he's coming back from a, a pretty significant injury, and this is only now going into his second season in the NFL. I, I didn't feel good about that, but now I do knowing that you have that veteran presence on the other side.
0: What about Griffin, John?
2: He makes what was a a uncertain position maybe the best on the defense? You know, This is a deep position now, everybody. This is now all of a sudden you've got two guys who you feel like athletically you've seen them be big-time starters. I'll ask you guys this. How great do you feel if you're the coaching staff if for some reason either Griffin or CJ can't go for a month? Well, you got Sidney Jones who showed last year for six games that he played at a high level as long as he's healthy. Then you have Herndon who, okay, if he's your fourth guy, He's got two-year starting experience. I don't, I don't necessarily know if you want to go into the season with him as your number one outside guy, but in a pinch, all sure. of a sudden that's a deep room that you look at the fourth guy and say he's got experience, I feel okay about him. Their top three I think is really, really good.
0: All right, John, take us home with your selection.
2: Well, this is sentimental. Uh, I'm going with Tyson Alualu because if you've been around the guy, you know. if I was making a list, Brian, you can probably speak to this, and J.P., I think you knew him as well. If I was making a list of former Jaguars, that I would be happy to see walk through the door. Now, obviously, Fred and Jimmy, you know some of the great players that we all know from the 90s. But since that 90s group, if I was making a list of guys, boy, I I would be happy to see this guy again. Tyson might be the number one guy on the list. He is a fantastic human being. Beyond that, and I think most Jaguars fans who've been around feel that same way. Beyond that, he's exactly what you need right now. This defensive line must be stouter. He makes you stout. He can do everything that you want him to do in a pinch. And an amazing, he has missed four games yeah. in 11 years. Yeah, Jeez. Four games on the interior. He is meant to play this sport, Brian. Well, and look, people may forget that he showed up. That, that was back
3: during the holdout era where players didn't necessarily come to camp on time. And Jack Del Rio put him in harm's way. He put him in against Vinny Monowai in the Oklahoma drill the day he got off the airplane. He tore his PCL and never had it fixed. Has missed four games, and it was bone on bone, I'm told, at one point. So he lost a degree of explosiveness on the first day of practice as a professional. And yet, look at him all these years later. Talk about vindicating the selection. And remember, people were really unhappy when they selected him in 2010 because they didn't take the quarterback. From Florida, one Tim Tebow, and there was a lot of angst. How could you pass on Tebow for some guy from the Pac-10? No one knows his name, but I'll never forget. The next weekend was the Fund Golf Tournament, and I was sitting with Bill Polian at breakfast, who you know well, John, and he said he thought that uh, alu -Alu might have been the safest pick in the first round of the 2010 draft. And you know what? All these years later, 11 years later, he's probably right, because here's Alu alu still playing.
0: Yeah, and going to John's point, Ashlyn, you need a veteran presence in a room, and they really didn't have that mm-hmm. after Calais left town.
1: Right, and you frankly just needed more bodies. I mean, yep. we are going through the list, and, and now that you've seen all these guys coming in, you now have – backups to backups and frankly before you, you didn't have enough guys and now you have enough yeah. bodies and, and big bodies to make this work and i'm really excited to meet him with everything that you oh. guys just shared i've heard nothing but great things
0: fantastic now the four games he missed there was one last season with pittsburgh he missed one game in 2018 if i remember right now he missed two games in 2016 his last year in jacksonville i think those were just coaches decisions i don't think he was injured that year if i remember right john what do you think so he's a tough guy yeah, to it could be. Least. i don't I can't remember that. I, uh, I think he was like an extra guy on the sideline, and like went you're, out for the coins. That coin you're downs
3: right. You're, now that you bring it up, you're right. You're right, JP, because he had a long string, an yeah, unbroken right. string of appearances, and that was the first time that it was broken, and it was a shock because he wasn't unhealthy. That's right. Uh, but they they knew at that moment they weren't going to resign him, and they were trying to get different guys into the lineup, uh, and so they put him on the sideline. I remember talking to him afterwards. And he talked about how strange it was to stand there and watch the game and not be in uniform. And I just, I can't underscore it enough. He took a lot of heat during his time here for not being Tim Tebow. I mean, not that he played the same position, but because the Jaguars passed on Tim to take Tyson. And he, he never let it get to him. He never was bitter about it. Uh, he heard the complaints. Uh, he played through pain, played through the knee injury. Um, this is one of the best guys to ever come through the Jaguars locker room. It's great to know he's coming back.
2: But importantly on the field, this is a guy, you know, it's not that he was here before isn't the reason he's here. It's the fact that Joe Cullen knows that he can turn around to Tyson and say, hey, go do this, and he'll go do it. Joe knows the guy. I'm sure he has an extremely high comfort of the different roles that he can play. If the big end can't play, hey, Tyson, go play big end. If the Nose can't play one day, hey, Tyson, go in and man up and be the Nose. All right, coach, let's go do it. So it's the reliability, it's the flexibility. He's exactly what you want. When you're building a defensive line as a piece in the puzzle, there's no better piece than Tyson Oluwole.
0: As uh, Jihad Ward said today on Friday at his press conference, Joe Cullen says, get off the bleeping ball. Yeah, Tyson's going to get off the Live on
1: Jaguars.com. You never know what you're going to (laughs) get.
0: It's on the internet. Yes. It must be true.
1: Everything's allowed on the internet, right?
0: It is. Uh, (laughs) uh, Most things. Uh, Ashlyn, (laughs) well done. John, Brian, appreciate you guys. We'll catch up with you again next week. And coming up next week, another week of the early waves of free agency. What else? Might the Jaguars have up their sleeve? Maybe we'll find out. Remember to subscribe to the official Jaguars Podcast Network. It's on Apple iTunes or Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts and give us a five-star rating. Jaguars Reporters Podcast comes up on Monday, and we will go through the offensive editions for the Jaguars and special teams editions in free agency. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening. And for Ashlyn Sullivan, John Osher, and Brian Sexton, I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next week on the Jaguars Broadcast Week in Review podcast presented by TIAA Bank.